Rewind, your week in review, is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate. This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio. This week on Rewind, your week in review. The UW Board of Regents reverse course and approve a deal to limit diversity efforts in exchange for state funding. Plus, a Republican elections commissioner is under fire again. We tell you why Democrats are calling for his resignation. And the state Supreme Court declined to take up a landmark lawsuit challenging school choice programs. All this and more on Rewind, your week in review for December 15th. Review for December 15th. Hi, I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. We're going to start with the biggest story of this week is that the UW Board of Regents reversed course on Wednesday after rejecting a deal that would limit diversity positions in exchange for pay raises. Well, they reached a final hurdle and got that deal done. But there was a lot of twists and turns leading up to the vote. Let's first just recap again for our viewers of what is in this package. So they passed a number of diversity-related positions, kind of restructuring them in exchange for $800 million, including that money would release withheld pay raises and funding for a vast uh, number of building projects. Other terms in the deal include, like I mentioned, restructuring one-third of DEI positions. That totals to 43 positions across the UW system. It would also freeze the number of non-faculty positions through the year 2026 and create a faculty chair on Madison's campus dedicated to conservative thought. Vast, uh, I guess, opinions about this vote, and I also said there was a lot of drama leading up to it. There was one Board of Regents, State Superintendent Jill Underly, who tried to delay the vote because she is out of the country. Well, that tactic didn't work. And ultimately, we had more, uh, not just one pe- person flip. We had a few regents flip their votes for the total vote to be 11-6. Here's some of the responses that we heard promptly after the vote. Two of the most important ones, I would say, is Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, who basically suggested that this is just a first step and what would be continuing efforts to eliminate what he calls cancerous DEI practices on UW campuses. Now, Governor Evers tried to lobby some of his appointments saying, hey, reject this deal. He also tried to voice some concerns that he thought this process was rushed, that vote should be delayed, there should be more deliberations. That ultimately did not work. Uh, what he had to say is that this vote today represents a vast overreach by a group of Republicans who have grown exceedingly comfortable by manipulating and abusing their power to control, subvert, and obstruct basic functions of government. Uh, First, let's just hear from UW System President Jay Rothman, who talked to reporters after the vote, talking about, you know, while he didn't love this deal, he felt like it was the best compromise that he could get with Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. On the other hand, the most outspoken individuals that we heard from throughout the last several days was was the Legislative Black Caucus, who basically called this whole proposal, in their view, as racist. So let's take a listen. In order to lead, in order to govern, you have to be looking at those issues. You can't simply ignore and say, I'm not going to compromise. That's not the way a democracy works. I think it is critical, if we are going to lead and if we are going to govern, that we need to be able to make compromises with the legislature that controls a lot of our funding, and we will continue to do that, and we will continue to do that in good faith. Let's be perfectly clear here. This deal is part of a systematic racist deal, and it is discriminatory. It is discriminatory towards students, faculty, and staffs of color because their 
experiences should never have a price tag and should never be bought out on what inclusion looks like on our campuses. It's also important to note, JR, that from Saturday's vote and then Wednesday's vote, nothing in the proposal changed at all. But some regions that I spoke to off camera felt they just felt obligated they had to support this deal to release the pay raises, to get these building projects forward. And it seems like a lot of them just voted, you know, holding their nose, which is kind of a term we talk about when people go vote against two evils or who's the lesser evil on Election Day type of thing when they can't make up their mind. So this was not a great look for the Board of Regents overall and others involved. Let's start with President Jay Rothman. So we both know from covering politics that you never go to the floor unless you have the votes. Like leaders in the Assembly and the Senate are very good vote counters. They know what they have. My impression from my conversation this week is that Rothman thought he had the votes for this, didn't have it nailed down. Now, he could have thought he had them, but things change. If you go through that Saturday hearing and listen to it, there's a lot of emotional pleas from members of the Board of Regents saying, this is going to hurt the university, it's going to hurt uh, minority students, if you take away DEI efforts, let's not give in. Um, saying that this is going to be the first step. If they get, if we give them on this, they're going to keep coming back again and again, trying to knock us some more. So something happened that switched those votes or with Rothley had them, but he didn't, and that's a mistake. Now, there's also been some reporting about whether Rothman had threatened to leave, if it was improved. For my picking up is more of a, he sent a message of, if you don't approve this, it's a basically a vote of no confidence in my leadership. I negotiated this deal along with other U of officials, Angela Manukin from Madison. We put this down. If you can't embrace it, what's to say about how you feel about me as a leader? There's that thing. With the regents, you know, Governor Evers appointed almost all the board. I think there are three left who are Walker appointees. There are two ex officio members who are there because of elected position or the head of the Tech College Board. So they aren't controlled by Evers, obviously. After the first vote, Evers said he backed what they did. Then after the second vote, he said, I don't know why we're doing this. Basically, we should not be rushing this vote. Then there's the regents themselves, who may have violated the open, record, open meetings law by meeting closed door on Tuesday to have a discussion about this. That's not a great look either. The bottom line is there was too much at stake, too much that they got. What's really fascinating about all this is that if you look at the details of this package, okay, they're not limiting a single job. So with DEI, they have these positions defined as DEI positions as of January 1st, I believe it is. They're going to take that number and cap at the end of 2026. They will take 43 positions and redefine them. They will be moved out from under the DEI header. They don't have to do a single thing differently. If they're dedicated to helping minority kids succeed in school, you don't have to stop doing that. You're just not a DEI position anymore. UW officials keep saying the charge remains the same. It's not business as usual. The charge remains the same. So that's fascinating on that, that front. Two, um, $800 million. Remember, Robin Voss back in uh, September said not another nickel for UW until they cut DEI jobs. They're getting $800 million. They're getting the pay raises, the $30 million that was uh, held up by the Joint Finance Committee because they, they cut that in the budget, right? Mm -hmm. Joint Finance has a plan from UW to release that money, has not acted upon it yet. Now they have to. There's $45 million to tear down basically unused, un uninhabitable buildings. Then there are the building projects, engineering building, uh, campus uh, housing on the Madison campus, the Whitewater campus, Robert Voss's alma mater. It's a lot of stuff in there. They got a pretty good deal overall but the perception is that they are a mess in how they handled this entire thing. 
Right. It's a big knock for them. There's also just a lot of heartburn um, from faculty and students that I talked to after the vote. Um, from the students' perspective, uh, I spoke to a lot of uh, student advisory committees. Mm -hmm. You know, they run student government groups, oversee student groups as well. Um, I talked to some on the Madison campus and Milwaukee campus, and both leaders told me what their biggest fear is and what they heard leading up to the vote is some students see this as a target against them, that they do support DEI initiatives, they, they make them feel welcome on campus, they have a place to go to if they want to talk about certain things, and their fear is that students are going to start transferring. Some students were floating the idea that I don't know if I want to continue my education at the UW system, given especially Robin Boss threatening that DEI will be, this is not, I guess, his last, you know, dig of what he wants to do. Um, on other side, too, faculty members, you know, they really don't like the word that we hear from conservatives that they believe that DEI is divisive. Um, they also are strongly against that they put regions in this position in the first place to basically choose between pay raises and building projects over DEI positions. Um, looking at the Board of Regents too, what I learned on Tuesday after the closed door meeting, I spoke to Senate President Chris Kapminga, who also basically told me that the four regents were appointed by Evers one of them, let's pull up the list right now. Um, all of these are unconfirmed by Governor Evers. Uh, all th there was a, the only one who voted for the plan twice was Raj. Um, yep. The other three did not. Um, but, but of course, Bogos flipped her vote as well. Dana Walks and Miller were always against it. And what Capica says, he doesn't, you know, it doesn't even really matter how they voted. It just, in the beginning, them voting against it sends a strong message when they are up for confirmation vote in the state Senate. So he basically said, you know, you're likely going to get fired. We already had some issues in the past, we had some concerns, and now this is just one other thing that might potentially lead to them voting them down when they come back in January. And let's look at the standard now that Capping is talking about. So many moons ago, in the olden days, um, there were five executive vice appointees rejected over a 40-year period. We had eight rejected in October. Of those eight, couple were members of the Natural Resources Board. The knock on them was they had basically said they would consider violating state law about implementing a rule that exceeds certain cost restrictions. Melissa Baldoff was appointed by the governor to a domestic abuse council. She had basically sent mean tweets about Republicans. There was fears that she couldn't work with Democrats. Um, the Milwaukee County, former Milwaukee County clerk, uh, Sarsneski, who was on the Elections Commission, he had refused to vote whether to reappoint um, Megan Wolf. That was a dereliction of duty going Republicans. So they're finding those faults with them. Now, last week we had those votes we talked about um, for this committee of the uh, UW Hospital Board Authority saying that you're basically partisans. We don't think you're qualified for this. Now we have, you don't agree with us. That can be our standard to reject you as an appointment. That's not how it used to work. Now, if the regents who voted no, let's be honest, they have a very good point. If you do this now, what's going to happen down the road? Uh, whether Robin Voss is around after this 2026 uh, freeze expires, we shall see. But for this, does it embolden Republicans to make more demands? Say, well, we won't give you money unless you do this, right? We have to have this in exchange for that. What will they do next? It's a very real concern and one they should be worried about in the next budget. Right. And going back to Tuesday's meeting, there's also, you, you also mentioned this earlier, about whether this closed-door meeting, where they did discuss uh, a lawsuit that 
is still going on right now that was filed by Governor Tony Evers and Attorney General Josh Call suing to release those pay raises and other cons- uh, conservation projects. Um, they did meet behind closed doors to discuss that, but there's still some questions now whether other things that were discussed should have been left open to the public. So the UW Board of Regents meeting may have skirted legal guidelines in compliance with the state's open meeting laws, and that is according to a new memo from the nonpartisan Legislative Council, which has also had some input from Attorney General Josh Call. State Representative Dora Drake, who is the chairman of the Legislative Black Caucus, who we heard from earlier, said she's calling on Dan County District Attorney Ishmael Ozan and Attorney General Josh called to investigate whether the open meetings law was violated. To the general public, is this alarm bells? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. But given the magnitude of this vote, there was a lot of people that wanted to hear what was going on on Tuesday. And don't forget the role that lawsuit played that Evers filed in this whole discussion. Edmund Manning Deeds, one of the Evers appointees on the board during the meeting on Saturday, said, look, the payers are going to get approved. This lawsuit's going to work, and they'll take care of it, which may be true. I, I don't like to predict what courts do, right. but apparently he's confident in doing that. Don't forget, though, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin has not agreed to take that lawsuit yet. Even if it does, it could take months and months to have it be resolved. There are folks who are UW employees who haven't pay raise now for quite a while. Do you want to have them wait months and months for pay raise as approved in July to take effect? Right. And Rothman, in response to possibly violating open meetings law, he talked to reporters and he said his UW counsel said it was legal. Um, But you could still, you know, find out possibly what was discussed in there through the open records law. So we'll see maybe what comes out of that. All right. Let's move on to another top story this week is Bob Spindell, a Republican commissioner on the State Elections Commission, is under fire again uh, because of his ties to the whole fake elector scheme where these electors met at the state capitol, signed paperwork falsely stating that Donald Trump won the 2020 election. And in response to these calls from Democrats saying that he should resign, uh, Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemahieu rejected those calls to rescind his appointment to the state's elections commission. And this is just more, I, I used this term earlier, more heartburn, more frustration that have, has been going on for a very long time. But this was timely because this comes after a CNN report uh, about two weeks ago now that said there is a state investigation going on into the fake electors. Uh, but Attorney General Josh Call, we'll get to that a little bit, wouldn't say whether that's going on. So it's once again Democrats saying we want more to be done. We want more people held accountable after uh, a lawsuit was uh, a civil lawsuit was uh, settled, which included Bob Spindell and several uh, the, of the nine other fake electors. This is not the first time there's been a call for Bob Spindell to be resigned or be removed or resigned from the commission. Let's see, it happened after the original reports on the scheme in 2020 came out. It happened after Spindell made comments about minority turnout in 2022. Emails to Republicans in Milwaukee County saying. It was a good thing that voter turnout was down among black and brown voters in Milwaukee County. Now, Bob later said what he was talking about was that Republicans are being successful in kind of breaking minority voters away from Democrats. They sat out this election. In the future, hope they'll vote for Republicans. But still, there are calls for his removal then, and again this time. And again, they've, every time they've been ignored. And there's some re- simple reasons why. One, Republicans like that Bob Spindell irritates Democrats in Elections Commission. Uh, one of my colleagues, old colleagues that was politics, did a story back in mid-2020 that of the first 13 deadlocked votes in Elections Commission history, 11 came after Bob Spindle joined the body. It's a design of his appointment. He's there to fight for the Republican point of view. That's, if you hear him, listen to the Elections Commission meetings, he says all the time, I'm here to push the Republican point of view, to advocate for Republicans. Why Republicans would Republicans like want to get rid of that, right? That's yeah. right. Don't forget, too, there's an election next fall. 
in which there are still concerns among Republicans about whether the Trump base will turn out because Megan Wolf is still the Elections Commission Administrator. A lot of these changes that they called for based largely on false thoughts about 2020 have not happened by Election Administration Wisconsin. If you take Spindell off the commission, it is a one more blow in having those folks have confidence about what's going to happen next fall. Why would you do that? Now, it's not the only uh, call for removal we've seen lately. Now there's one about Jim Troopas, the attorney, one of the attorneys involved in the scheme. Um, he was reappointed to this judicial body that oversees, basically kind of opines on ethics. Uh, liberals were not very enthused about the idea of him being reappointed back in the spring. There's a new call to have him removed from that body uh, in light of what's going on now with uh, the 2020 scheme. Right, and talking about that scheme, Attorney General Josh Call did a lot of end-of-the-year interviews on Monday. He was very, very tight-lipped, very careful with how he worded things, but did not confirm or deny whether there is investigation into any of the pro-Trump attorneys that helped Trump here in Wisconsin or any of the 10 fake electors. Um, and like I mentioned, this comes after a CNN report saying that state investigators are involved and are cooperating. Um, but speaking of the WEC commissioners. We also had a public hearing this week on the new Democratic appointee to the board, which is Carrie Ripple. Um, she testified to the Senate Elections Committee. Once again, was kind of grilled, as most uh, mm -hmm. appointments are to this job, whether she's partisan, have you ever supported uh, or been tied to any election law or lobbied, per se, on any, anything like that. Um, she kind of stood her ground, but uh, it's kind of just the first of many steps uh, mm -hmm. for her to stay on that position. So with Call, in talking to people on the Capitol, the perception is, if Call does anything, most likely their bet is on, he goes with the attorneys, Jim Troopas, Kenneth Charlesborough, those folks who really kind of orchestrated things. Especially the settlement reached last week. I mean, there's accountability, quote unquote, for the 10 electors, acknowledge what they did, shouldn't have happened, that it was uh, inappropriately used to try and overturn an election. They want nothing to do with it anymore. So the thought is that if call goes after anybody, it's probably gonna be those attorneys who are involved uh, in the entire thing. Right. And when I asked Call too, I said, you know, why not let the public know, uh, given that we've seen Michigan, Arizona, Nevada, uh, there's uh, investigations going on in Georgia. I mean, there's all these other states that are openly letting people know, hey, we're looking into this. Um, his response was that every state works differently. There's different laws of how things play out. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll ever find out, maybe until some results come out of this, uh, but he's really not talking much about what is going on here in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to staying on the topic of elections, and we're going to talk about the final five bill. Why? Because it was the first time it held a public hearing in the state capitol. Here's what it would do. It's a bipartisan bill that would dramatically change how Wisconsin residents choose their congressional candidates by asking them to rank their top choices instead of voting for one or two candidates. Um, and during the public hearing, uh, there was praise from both uh, Republicans who talked about this bill, since it is bipartisan. Let's hear from both sides on why they believe this should be implemented in Wisconsin. With final five voting, we can ensure that voters get a true choice of who should represent them in the House of Representatives and the United States Senate. When we only get 10% of the electorate choosing the people who get to the general election, that's, the democracy's not working. That's not democracy. I've been working on this now for four years maybe, and I'm yet to have anybody mathematically show how the less popular candidate, the candidate that shouldn't win, won somehow. What's, what's interesting about this hearing, it comes about a week after there was another hearing on a, or not a hearing, excuse me, um, 
there was a circulated proposed constitutional amendment to ban to ban this from ever happening in Wisconsin. Um, I still just don't think the support is there. Mm -hmm. Talking to people, um, but it's been introduced for many many years now. So. If this were to pass, Talk Radio Milwaukee, Conservative Talk Radio, would lose its mind. So that's one reason not to think <laughs> it's going to happen because they would go uh, Bananas. Be rather unhappy with GOP leadership. Mm -hmm. So you've seen this in Alaska, for example. Um, Republicans feel like there's a Democrat representing Alaska and the House representatives right now because of ranked choice voting, uh, that they don't want to see this happen here. Now, what, Reed Ribble, former congressman from up in the Green Bay area, basically he has been kind of on this kick since he left Congress of this place is broken. It's because you have too many extreme partisans. There has to be some kind of like breakthrough. And Rebel's argument is, if you go to this kind of a system, you encourage more moderation. Now, it's not just about uh, elections of two-party system, but we have maps that have been like really, really drawn to give really deep red or deep blue districts. And his point is, if you have everybody competing, the one who ha you know you don't have this like evil choice of I don't like this guy, I don't like that gal. So which is my lesser evil? Mm -hmm. I can pick from. I can pick from somebody more maybe in the middle. I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere from what I can tell in talking to people, and there's really an interest in leadership about this bill being taken to the floor. Right. I mean, still give it credit that there shows there's some little bit of mm -hmm. movement because it did get its first uh, public hearing, and it's gaining some attention here in the battleground state, mm -hmm. but whether it will become law anytime soon, we have our skepticism about that. All right, let's get to stock picks this week. Robin Voss is rising, and I think a big part of that is this deal that he negotiated yes. with UW Regents. So, look, we talked about a little bit where Robin's been. So he said, not another nickel without cutting DEI. Then he came out uh, about a month after that and said, look, you can also give us position authority, which basically means you, the University of Wisconsin system, University of Wisconsin, I'm sorry, can create and eliminate jobs without legislative approval. But Robin's saying is, you give us that back, that power we gave you a decade ago, we can talk. Look at the deal. He doesn't get either of those two things. So they're curtailing DEI. First. We talked about that, the freeze, moving positions around. The freeze on jobs doesn't apply to people who spend like three-fourths of their time working with students. doesn't apply to researchers who like are funded by three-fourths by private money. It's really about administrators. And the reality is, administrators on the Madison campus. That provision allows you to move positions between campuses to allow for growth. So Madison is growing. Other campuses are not. You can move positions around. Okay, so it's symbolic. Those things are symbolic. But he gets the win because he exposes a rift among Democrats, right? You have the Black Legislative Caucus saying this is a huge deal. You had the entire Senate and the Assembly, Democratic caucuses, coming out against this deal. And yet, in the end, Evers appointees approved it. They're the ones who got it through. The mm -hmm. governor said, don't do it. Um, he exposes that rift. He has a symbolic victory. And he can tell people back home, I got this win. And oh, by the way, this, is, this, it, this issue is helping rebuild Robin Voss's image with the conservative base. Remember, he's been the outs of Donald Trump for a while now. Uh, we've both been in state conventions where he's uh, gotten gruff from people in the crowd. Gotten booed. Yeah. This is an issue where he has got a foothold with the conservative base, and they are buying into it. They really like what he's doing. And for Republicans, DEI has become this kind of catch-all. Remember, we were talking about CRT just like two years ago, right? That was the buzzword. Yes. Now it's DEI. DEI has become the catch-all for anything with diversity, affirmative action, all these they feel like they're a threat to what's going on. Um, he's winning on that issue with, you know, how this has played out. The questions are, will he be around for the next round? So with redistricting, uh, we're still waiting. The, the court could at any time tell us if they're going to throw out the map. We're all waiting on that with bated breath. 
there's a fear among some Republicans that if there's a new map put in place, it'll draw Robin Voss in a district with uh, Tyler August, the majority in the uh, assembly. Robin has been around for a long time. Tyler has been there for a while too, but Tyler's gonna got more years ahead of him than Robin does. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure this deal goes through end of 2026. That assumes that to fight another fight, Robin have to be here for next election and 2026 and come back in 2027 for the next budget. I don't know that that's where his plan is. So in the end, he gets his big win. And again, it's somewhat symbolic. I had a Democrat argument this week. Look, instead of going, you know, really losing about DEI and like those positions, liberals should talk about, we're getting $800 million for the university. This is a big deal for us when they were, well, they've done the last couple of budget cycles, but that's not the talk. And so therefore, you know, he's got, he wins that public perception battle, this entire thing. I think my question too is whether DEI is a message that will resonate with voters. Of mm -hmm. course, we know it's a presidential election last year, but we're seeing a lot of conservatives across the nation talking about this. And CRT did help some candidates in the midterms, I believe, in other states. Um, you know, was, will it be a winning message here? Uh, yeah. Remains to be seen. All right, let's get to mix this week, or, and that is property taxes. Yes, so, okay. There are gross property tax levies and net property tax levies, okay? So let's kind of get that up front. So Wisconsin Policy Forum does a look every year at the kind of the initial kind of gauge of what's happening in property tax levies. This is your bill from schools, counties, municipalities, the whole nine yards. And looking at those gross levies, it's the biggest increase they're predicting since the Great Recession in 2007. Aha! <laughs> That's not how it shows up on your bill. You have your net levy, which is going to be more like around 2-3%. Let me explain. So the state essentially buys down property tax levies. So all these districts get to kind of levy property tax versus various caps in the system. In the budget that was signed this summer, Republicans maneuvered money toward a credit to help buy down the levy. What I mean by that is, so in the school aid formula, if you pump money in that school aid formula, the general formula, it benefits districts with lower property values more than others, okay? They took $255 million and increased the school levy credit. That has an equal impact across the board. If they'd done that through school aids, you'd have a disparate impact, right? So certain, my point is they knew this was kind of coming. They had a big increase in per pupil spending. The cap, remember, each district has a limit on spending for a kid through uh, state aid and property taxes. They increase that first time in several years. They pump this money in to kind of keep that impact being not so difficult. Now, we're also seeing local governments jump up property tax levies because even with this big boost in aid from the shared revenue deal yeah. this summer, they still have allowances to increase property taxes because of inflation. They've got tight library markets. There are lots of issues going on. So, yes, it's the biggest jump in your gross levy since 2007, but the net levy, eh, you know, not so bad. Now, there's a little uh, cushion to blow. And don't yeah. forget, that's going to be different from homeowner to homeowner. If you live in Madison versus Stun Prairie, totally different because of school districts and everything else. So it's not going to be 2 or 3% on your bill compared to last year. So if you have 5% at home, that's the way it works sometimes. It's just different for everybody. Right. All right. And following this week is Kirk Bankstead with the school choice lawsuit. Yeah. So he wasn't a plaintiff, but Monaco Brewing Company, which he owns, basically financed this thing and pushed this lawsuit. They took a gambling with the Supreme Court of Wisconsin and said, we want you to take directly this lawsuit so you can overturn school choice and state's funding formula for schools. Um, and the court, without comment, said, no, we're not going to take it. We pretty much knew that was going to mm -hmm. happen. Uh, one indicator was both Robin Voss, who was a defendant in the lawsuit, and the Department of Administration Secretary 
argued in briefs back in a month ago, you shouldn't take this directly. There's so many issues at play here, it's your lower courts first. The Supreme Court of Wisconsin is not supposed to be a fact-finding body. Circuit courts where you're supposed to go for like really complex issues to flush out the details, get everything on the record, have a trial discovery. That's what the Supreme Court's forte. The court just said, we're not going to take it. And these two bodies, Voss and DOA, said, it's not right for you to take, essentially. The only surprise I think people had was that the court didn't comment on why. There wasn't a concurring opinion from a liberal saying, look, this isn't right for us to take, but there are some real issues at play here we should think about. That would have been a signal to, like, Kirk and the people who filed this, that, hey, you know, we're not going to take it now, but maybe go back to circuit court, follow these kind of, like, hints that we're laying in this concurring opinion and follow that with your lawsuit. None of that. And, oh, by the way, the perception the court doesn't want this case until after 2025. Don't forget, we keep talking about this, but yeah. 2025 is a key year for the Supreme Court for the liberal majority. If liberals hold Ann Walsh Bradley's seat, there's a chance for conservatives to take back the majority until at least 2028. And that's only if conservatives defend Rebecca Bradley in 26, and that's in 27. So if you just get through 2025 without too many big cases, without too many things kind of like upsetting GOP donors, you might be in a position to have a majority for a long, long time in that court. All right, definitely something we're keeping an eye on. That will do it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Emily Fannin. And I'm J.R. Ross. We'll see you next week. This program was brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio. Rewind. Your Week in Review is sponsored by the Wisconsin Realtors Association, bringing Wisconsin communities to life with great homes, businesses, and neighborhoods. The Wisconsin Realtors Association, the voice of real estate.